Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, we come to the last message in this conference, and how we will do this is I will cover the first two Roman numerals, and then Brother Mark will conclude the, the rest of the outline with Roman 3 and the conference. Um, at the beginning, how about we do this? How about we read the banners together? Okay, let's read the banners that are kind of a digestion of all the messages. It's on the front page, yeah? The very front page of your outline booklet. Thank you, Bevan. Amen. In the body. Okay, let's read. The reality of the body of Christ is the union and mingling of God with man to live out a corporate God-man. Amen. To live out a corporate God-man. Amen. If we would live in the reality of the body of Christ, we might to experience the work of the cross for the body and in the body. Amen. Experience the work of the cross. Not know about it, but experience it. Wherever there is body revelation, there is body consciousness. And wherever there is body consciousness, individualistic thought and action are ruled out. The body of Christ is the issue of the experience of Christ. So we need to pay desperately that we would live Christ for the body of Christ to be a reality. So this is this last point is wonderful. Um, the body of Christ is the issue of the experience of Christ. So we should be asking the Lord to grant us many experiences individually and corporately of this wonderful one. And the key to the experience is our prayer to pray desperately. And I know we read this. I think desperate is a very hard word to minister. Can, can you infuse desperation into people? But we should even ask the Lord, Lord, cause me to be desperate. Cause me to be desperate. Then we would pray with desperation so that we would live Christ for the body of Christ to be a reality. Our message this morning, this last one, is on living Christ. Then just to mention uh, the the principles of the body, which we've already um, talked about, but um, these principles, Brother Mark will develop this more, but these principles are not laws or rules for us merely to keep outwardly. We put them on our fridge, not a bad thing. We look at them, but then we kind of try to keep them in our good self. That we, were, we, will, we will fail if we do that. These principles, we may say, are a description of the reality of the body of Christ. You kind of wonder, there's many ways, what does the body of Christ look like? 
Well, at least we can say these principles are a description, are a picture of what living in the reality of the body of Christ looks like. Uh, We might even say that they are a description of how the Lord Jesus Christ lived himself. If you look at this, the first first principle, which now is at the end of your, your outline packet, the body is one. John 10.30, the Lord said, I and the Father are one. So the Lord himself practiced oneness. He never did anything apart from the Father. The Father who is with me. The Father... He, I don't speak my words. I speak the words that the Father has given me or the words that I've heard. The works that I do are not the Father's. So the Lord himself kept the principles of the body. There was never a moment where he was not one with the Lord. Number two, the church as the body of Christ is absolutely a matter of life. What does the Lord say in John 10.10? I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the life. So again, this is the Lord himself. Um, uh, number four, the function of the body is to express Christ. When the Lord was on the earth, who did he express? He expressed the Father. Right? He said to, um, to Philip, he who has seen me, has seen the Father. John 14, 9. Have I been with you so long? Don't you know, Philip, when you see me, you see the Father. So who was the Son expressing there? He wasn't expressing himself. He was expressing another person. He was expressing the Father. So again, and then maybe just to conclude, um, the reality of the body of Christ is a group of God-redeemed who have been made God, the God-men, who live not by themselves, but by another life. John 6, 57. As the living Father has sent me, and I live because of the Father. The Father was his life. The Father was his living. So the Lord himself practiced all these principles. Maybe just one more. The body of Christ is in the resurrection of life of Christ. John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the life. So all these principles were upheld by and kept by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He is the principle keeping Lord of the body. So who's in us? The Lord is in us. The one who kept all of these principles perfectly lives in us. And the more that we are one with Him, the more we will be enabled to keep these principles. The more we are one with Christ, the more these principles will become our reality, our living, and our expression. This is what the body of Christ looks like. It looks like Christ keeping all the principles Himself. So that's why they're the principles of the body. They're just Christ himself living out the life of the Father, denying his natural man, even his perfect. You think about that. You know, Brother, um, uh, Brother uh, Mark was, was saying this. Uh, 
you know, he had a perfect life. He, he, there's, he, had, he was the, his flesh was, there's nothing sinful or improper about his flesh, and yet he denied his flesh. His sinless flesh, he denied. He denied his life to live by another life. So may we also follow this principle. Okay, um, we're going to come to the title now. Let's read the title of this message. Living Christ for the reality of the body of Christ. So we hope this message will be very practical, living Christ. And I'd just like to read uh, one point from an outline. This is the first outline of the present series of messages in the full-time training in Anaheim. Message one is entitled, Living in the Reality of the Body of Christ According to the Bird's-Eye View of the Reality in Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. That's quite a title, but I just want to read uh, point number one, maybe as a kind of a summary of even our entire conference. And this is what this point says. The desire of God's heart is that the reality in Jesus... The God-man living of Jesus as recorded in the four Gospels would be duplicated in his many members, in the many members of Christ's body, by the spirit of reality to become the reality of the body of Christ, the highest peak in God's economy. So in in a simple way, what does God want? He wants the reality of the body of Christ... And that reality is in Jesus. That reality is in the spirit of reality who is in us. So he wants to duplicate the life of the first God-man in every one of us. So before we get to the actual points on the outline, I'd like to fellowship a little bit about this. Could we turn to Ephesians 4? And these verses we've read a number of times in the conference. Let's read them again. I'm just captivated by these verses. This is 20 through 24. If we could read together, this would be very good. Okay? But you did not so learn Christ. Indeed, you have heard him and have been taught in him as the reality is in Jesus that you put off as regards your former manner of life, the old man, which is being corrupted according to the lusts of the deceit, and that you be renewed the spirit of your mind, and put on the new man which was created according to God in righteousness and holiness of the reality." So this is a very helpful fellowship from our brother Paul about living in the reality of the body of Christ. He begins this section by saying, you did not so learn Christ. So what does that mean to learn Christ? And then it says, if indeed you have heard him. Doesn't say if indeed you have heard of him, it says, if you have heard him. So our learning, Christ, which is in our mingled spirit, 
at least in part, is related to hearing Him. Paul says in Philippians 3.10, to know Him. Well, here he says we should hear Him. And I wanted to just, this morning, I'm just before the Lord, like, how do I finish? How do I conclude? I'm going to give the opening part of the message. How do I begin? And this verse came to me, learning Christ and hearing Him. So, taking the pattern of the Lord, first of all, Himself. We talked about, we just read or spoken John six fifty seven as the living Father has sent me, and I live because of the Father. And I mentioned in the first message, the window into the Lord's life in Mark one thirty five. Again, rising, and I reread it this morning, and I was very impressed, rising very early in the morning. Not just rising early, rising very early in the morning. It says, he went out, while it was still night, he went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. Our last banner point, praying desperately. So the Lord, what was the Lord doing? The Lord was spending time in the presence of the Father to hear him. Father, where should I go today? Well, you need to go into Judea, but on the way to Judea, I'd like you to take a detour to a small city of the Samaritans called Sychar. And there, if you go to the well outside the village at a certain time, you will find there will be a woman coming to gather water there in the heat of the day. All the other women, there's no one else there. You need to go and fellowship with her about living water. So the son received instructions from the father. who spent time early in the morning. So I would like to, I'm going to read this. This is Isaiah 50, verses 4 and 5. And, and I think this is also Mark 135. The Lord Jehovah has given me the tongue of the instructed, that I should know how to sustain the weary with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as an instructed one. The Lord Jehovah has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn back. You did not so learn Christ if you have heard Him. We need to rise early in the morning and listen for the voice of our Beloved. Just in the same way as the Lord Jesus, as a man in the flesh, he rose early in the morning, he went away to a private place, and then he was with the Father, communing, listening to the Father. The very words that he was to speak that day, the Father gave him. Or at least gave them some, I believe, in this organic union, oneness with the Father, the first principle of the body. He then is going out in his day, to do what he needs to do in his ministry, he's one with the Father. Moment by moment, he's in communion. Moment by moment, he's listening. He's hearing. The Father is giving him the Spirit not by measure. 
to speak words. This is the reality the Lord wants to produce in each one of us. So just a very simple, practical application is, we really do need to spend time first thing in the morning with the Lord. My experience many times, many times, if my time in the morning is hurried, and I go out into my day, I serve the Lord full time, I can be busy with many things all day long. Meeting with brothers, meeting with saints, Bible studies, uh, fellowshipping, praying. And sometimes at the end of the day, I come home, and when I stop, I just have this sense, Lord, where were you today? I was doing so many things for you, but as I review my day, I don't have that strong sense that you were with me all of the time. And I realize, well, the reason is my time in the morning to anchor myself in the Spirit. If I have that kind of time, it's very easy to go into my day. If I drift from the focus, from the center in my little boat, let's call it that, is Jesus in your boat? Well, if we drift out, it's so much easier if we have an anchor to be brought back to the center and the focus. The Lord will go, right now, you're just talking in yourself. Or I didn't say this. Or how about, how about you do this? How about you do that? And then we, then we just obey the Spirit's leading. But if we don't have the initial time of being rooted, anchored, then it's a little harder or a lot harder for the Spirit to speak to us. So this is a good principle. We are like the Lord. Early in the morning, we spend time with the Lord. So this was the Lord. The Lord said in John 5.30, As I hear, I judge. As I hear, I judge. Okay, Matthew 11. Matthew 11. In Matthew 11, the Lord is rebuking the cities that did not receive his ministry. So he's saying to them, you know, woe woe to you, Chorazon, woe to you, Bethsaida. Then the place where he lived, woe to you, Capernaum, he says, who have been exalted to heaven, to Hades you will be brought down. For if the works of power which took place in you had taken place in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. And then in verse 25 of Matthew 11, it says this, at that time... Jesus answered and said, I extol you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. What? It, there's no record of the Father saying anything. There's just a record of the man on the earth going, and at that time, Jesus answered. Answered what? The Father's fellowship. The Son was in communion. He heard the Father. And he answered, I extol you, Father. Right? And then verse 26 says, then he says, Yes, Father. For this, thus it has been well-pleasing in your sight. Another fellowship from the Father. The Son's ear is attuned Yes, Father. You're right, Father. Amen, Father. So the Son is living a life in the reality of this oneness by hearing. 
He's listening. So, I'm coming back to our application. You did not so learn Christ. How do I learn Christ? If you hear him as the reality is in Jesus, hear him, listen to him, spend time with him every day. Um, So then in Acts chapter 8, verse 29, you have Philip preaching the gospel to the first African, to the Ethiopian eunuch who came from Ethiopia. And what does it say there? And the Spirit said to Philip, approach and join this chariot. The Spirit said, and Philip obeyed. Philip had an ear to hear what the Spirit was speaking. Um, Paul in in Acts chapter 9, and he fell on the ground And he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He heard the voice. Okay? Acts 13, that was two individuals. Here's verse, uh, this is a group of brothers praying together in Antioch. And it says, and as they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said... Set apart from me now, Barnabas and Saul, to the work to which I have called them. So here's a group of brothers who are hearing the Spirit. It's not just on the individual level. It's on the corporate level. The corporate God-man living. So we all need to individually hear the Lord, but equally corporately. We're a corporate God-man. Do we hear what the Spirit is speaking to us. And so in this case, brothers coordinating, listening for the Spirit, and then this is the initiation of Brother Paul's and Barnabas' ministry through the Spirit. Our uh, dear brother John, in the book of Revelation, I was in spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, and I turned and I saw. So... In, in many things, hearing is more important than seeing. We have to hear first. When we hear, when we listen, when we obey, when we turn, then we see. Actually, even physically, they say that the last sense to go is our hearing. So if someone is in a coma in the hospital, many times the nurses will say, you can still speak to them. They can still hear you. They apparently, apparently are unconscious. Their eyes don't open. Their mouth doesn't move. But you can speak to them. So our hearing function is so, so important. Hearing and then seeing. And then Matthew seventeen five, the transfiguration on the mount. Peter comes up with some of his own good ideas. Peter is very good with coming up with good ideas coming from his good self. Oh, Lord, how about I set up a tent for the three of you, for Moses and Elijah and you? I'll set up a tent. And then it says, a cloud overshadowed them and a voice out from the cloud. This is my beloved son. Hear him. This is my beloved son. Hear him. So, amen. I would. I just want to pr- present that. So, as an application, I just was. 
Okay, how do I learn Christ? Listen. How do you learn Christ? Listen. You you can learn Christ by reading the four Gospels. But then you have to listen and hear. And I would say in my experience, this is very real. You spend time with the Lord in the morning, enjoy the Lord, and then you're in your day, and you're in a conversation with some beloved brothers, and then you're about to say something out of your natural man. And there's a speaking. Don't say that. Don't bring up that topic. We're fellowshipping, then something is said, and you go, oh yeah, I heard. Or, let me tell you, but there's something within that goes, don't. Don't take the conversation in that direction. Don't make that joke. Don't say that to the sister. Don't say, okay, for my, again, me, don't say that to your wife. Yeah, you could say that, and you'd be pretty, you know. And the Lord just goes, nope, don't say that. Brother Lee talks about, you know, he's in his office, and he's upset with Sister Lee about something, and he gets up, and he starts to walk to the kitchen, and then he stops, and he turns around, and he goes back to his office, and he sits down. He's on his way to speak something, and the Lord goes, Stop, turn around, go back, and sit at your desk. It's real. The Lord, if we, if we listen, if we just have our ear attuned to the speaking of the Spirit, so we listen to the Lord directly, how about listening to the body? The body Christ. The body is the Christ. So sometimes you're waiting to hear a word directly from the Lord. I don't need to fellowship with the brothers, even though that's a principle in the body. I don't need to fellowship. I'm waiting for an express word from the Lord. Well, what did the Lord say to Paul on the road to Damascus? Go into the city, and it will be told to you what you should do. So Paul went into the city blind as a bat. He prays for three days. And then a little member, a little member who we never hear of again in the whole of the New Testament, who has no function or ministry that is recorded beyond this particular function. But what a critical function that was. Go to this road, to this place. You will find this man praying And you need to speak to him. And then Ananias, this little brother, comes and he goes, Saul, brother, Saul, brother. What a beautiful word. Saul, brother. Receive your sight. And then, through the Spirit, through the Spirit, this little man says, Now rise up. And why do you delay? Rise up and be baptized. So this little member introduced the person who today we credit with writing half, 
more than half of the New Testament was brought into the body of Christ and the beginning of his function through another little member. So do not despise, dear saints, the speaking of the little members in the body of Christ. Don't always expect to hear directly. Many times you have to be sensitive. Oh, that word there, that's the Lord speaking. The brothers have shared, uh, Brother Ron shared one time about his experience in coordination with senior co-workers and their fellowshipping and their praying and their fellowshipping. And there's a decision, a very, you could almost say, almost unanimous decision to go, we'll do this. But then one, another brother just has a little feeling. Brothers, I just have a little feeling. I present it to you. He gives his little feeling and then all the brothers realize, that's the speaking of the Lord. We have prayed, we have coordinated, we're ready to go. But a little speaking from another member, and then there's a registration. That's the Lord speaking. So learning Christ by hearing him, hearing him in his word, hearing him speaking to us in our day, but also hearing him in the body of Christ, hearing him in the fellowship. This is one of the reasons we should fellowship. Because many times the voice of the Lord is in the body of Christ, not directly. So this is a development of our living in the body, living Christ for the reality of the body of Christ. Okay, so how about we, what is next? We've read those verses. Um, Okay, I'll just, we're going to read the outline now. But before we do that, I'll just put in one more word. There is a wonderful place where some of the younger saints, but not always the younger saints, can go for up to two years where we can hear the voice of the Lord every morning. And then we have two wonderful classes every day where we hear more of the Lord speaking through the ministry of the age. Um, I've just finished. I'm going home tomorrow. But I've just spent two glorious weeks sharing, being with the dear trainees and the full-time training in Pretoria. So I would just like to, especially for the younger ones, a very, very good place to have our ear trained. Trained. Right? What does it say? I'm going back to, I've gone off the page, but Isaiah, right? Um, The Lord, he awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as an instructed one. Which means he was trained. The Lord was trained by the Father to hear his voice. So if you would like your ear trained... There's one place I can recommend very, very highly that will at least initiate and strengthen your trained ear. And that is the full-time training. Amen. Okay, so let's, I will, okay, I will read through very quickly these points and Brother Mark can uh, continue the fellowship. Okay, let's read one together. The church as the body of Christ is a pure product out of Christ. Only that which comes out of Christ with his resurrection life 
can complement and counterpart the body of Christ. Only that which comes out of Christ with His resurrection life. That's the body of Christ. So we need to spend time every morning to receive from Christ. That which comes out of Christ is the body of Christ. So I need, I can say, I can testify, I need every day another portion of Christ dispensed into my being. Matthew 25, you have the wise and uh, the prudent or wise and foolish virgins. And when the Lord comes back, the wise ones have an extra portion of oil. All the virgins have oil in their lamps, in their mingled spirit. But the requirement to meet the bridegroom, to be his complement, to be his wife on the wedding day, is we need to have oil in our vessel, in our soul, our soul saturated, filled with the Lord himself. And so every day, and you can't buy this oil by going to the local petrol station and get it all in one go. Right? Quick fill up. No, it's drop by drop, day by day. This is how we accumulate. So we need this Christ for the reality of the body of Christ. It's a pure product. Right? We actually, you know, virgin olive oil. Right? You can buy, at least you can buy that in the supermarket, virgin olive oil. Well, I would just say, saints, every morning we need to buy virgin olive oil to be the pure virgins filled with the oil that came from the olive tree. Okay, I'm not overextending, but I think you get it, right? Okay, virgin olive oil. I will remember that forever now. Every time I go to the shops, I'm not buying any olive oil unless it's virgin olive oil. Amen. And I encourage you all to do the same. Buy virgin olive oil to be made a virgin full of oil. Okay, amen. Okay, uh, let's read A. The head of the body is Christ, and the body of the head is Christ, so that the body of Christ, with Christ as the head, is the Christ, the corporate Christ. Amen. So this is, this is the body of Christ comes out of Christ. So what do we need to do every morning? Hold the head. It says, hold the head out from whom all the body. Holding the head. How do we hold the head? By loving him. First and foremost, by loving him. Again, the virgins, they love the bridegroom. Hold the head. Love him. Give him the first place. Eat him. Drink him. Hear him. This is my beloved son. Hear him. Okay? Then be Anything other than Christ is not the body of Christ, and anything other than Christ is a foreign element in the body of Christ. Thus we must be desperate, as Paul was, to live Christ for the reality of the body of Christ. We had the brothers reading those wonderful verses in Philippians. Of course, in verse 19, we also talked about, this will turn out to my salvation through your petition. So we need to pray for ourselves and one another and the bountiful supply of the Spirit. And then his earnest expectation and hope is that 
Christ will be magnified in his body. For to me to live is Christ. Paul was living, he's our pattern of someone living in the reality of the body of Christ. For to me to live is Christ. Paul was saturated, filled with Christ. And in Philippians 3, the verses we read, you know, Brother Mark is an accountant when it says here, I also count all things lost. There's a lot of counting here. The Greek is accounting. It's accounting. Paul has accounted. Paul has considered. He's measured profit and loss, credit and debit. So what's on the credit side? Christ is on the credit side. That's the profit. There's a lot of profit can be made here. What's on the debit side? My old man. My old man. So Brother Mark sat down and he asked me, he said, so is there an appendix in the body of Christ? And I said, yes, there is an appendix in the body of Christ. It's called the old man. There is an appendix in the body of Christ. It's called the old man, and it needs to be removed before it gets inflamed and poisons the whole body. Cut it out. Cut it off. So that's the appendix. Okay. Our old man is the appendix. Those of you who've had an appendix removed will appreciate that word. Okay, C. All things other than the pure element of Christ are ruled out by this vision. This vision paralyzes us from exercising anything of our own. So I wrote down here, yes, I'm enjoying the Lord. I'm one with the Lord. And then the Lord says, don't say that. Don't do that. I really appreciate this word. Paralyzes. Have you been paralyzed today by the Lord? You want to say something and the Lord just says, don't say that. Don't do that. That's what a blessing because, you know, if we're not paralyzed, he is paralyzed. Because he is the head, we're the body. We don't respond to the head. He is paralyzed. But when we are paralyzed, then he has the liberty and the freedom to do, to animate, to work the body. It will follow his instructions. So it's a great blessing for us to be paralyzed rather than the Lord to be paralyzed. Who would you rather see paralyzed? The Lord or your old man? Our old man. So we have to hear and obey. Okay, quickly, very quickly, Roman 2. Let's just read two together. Uh, brothers on A, sisters on B, everybody on C. So two together. To live Christ for the reality of the body of Christ, to be imprisoned in our spirit as a prisoner of Christ Jesus, a prisoner in the Lord, an ambassador in the chain. Brothers. Amen. Dear sisters, a person who lives Christ as an ambassador of Christ no longer has his own freedom 
and could no longer do things according to his own convenience. Where he goes and what he does are not according to his choice, but under and according to the leading and directing hand of God. Lovely. Together. To live Christ for the reality of the body of Christ is to be a captive of Christ in his triumphal procession, doing everything in the person of Christ, in our spirit, for the celebration of his victory, in the work of the ministry, to speak Christ for the reality of the body of Christ. So what a good prayer, Lord. Today, imprison me in my mingled spirit. I have never seen before when Paul is saying, I am a prisoner of the Lord. I am a prisoner in the Lord. And I'm an ambassador in a chain. Paul was in this reality. He is not, oh, I'm stuck in a Roman prison. No, I'm imprisoned in the Lord. I live in another reality. These chains outwardly are just a symbol of the inward reality. I am chained to Christ. I am imprisoned in Christ. And I am happy to be in that place. I'm reminded of the Philippian jail. After midnight, Paul was again physically imprisoned in the deepest part of the jail. What is he doing there? Singing songs and praising after midnight. Outwardly imprisoned, inwardly released in his spirit by being imprisoned in his spirit. So may we all pray to be imprisoned by this wonderful one in our mingled spirit. Amen. Okay, we continue our fellowship on living Christ. Um, I'd like to follow up on what Brother Michael said about the principles. When God gave the law in Exodus to Israel, he did not actually intend it to be a list of regulations that they would keep. What he intended was to show them what kind of God he is, to give them a portrait of who God is. They misunderstood it and decided they would try to do it. In the same way, these 20 principles are not regulations for us to keep. I would say first and foremost, they are a portrait, a picture of a person living in the reality of the body of Christ. You want to know what that looks like? You'll In such a person, you will see these characteristics. So for us, there still is value in considering these points in this way. I'm short of this point, therefore, I need more of Christ. (laughs) I'm short of this point, therefore, I need more of Christ. And the more we learn to live Christ, which is the emphasis of this outline, the more these things will appear in us spontaneously. They will appear in us spontaneously. You'll be surprised uh, because all of them are Christ. And 
we don't have any of these things in our natural constitution. So the way we will have these 20 principles in our life is to live Christ. He's the one who has them. He's the spirit in our spirit. So those things that were exhibited in his human living will be exhibited in ours. Okay, uh, now we come to uh, Romans chapter, uh, uh, to uh, Roman numeral three, which emphasizes Romans chapter eight. Um, Paul is the expert on living Christ. He can do it anywhere. He can do it in prison. He can do it when he's poor. He can do it when he's rich. He can live Christ in anything and in all things. This, if you want the top expert on living Christ, go to Paul. I am really, I, 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 this is not a joke. I am really looking forward to meeting Paul. I have a lot of questions for him, and I want him to tell me a lot more about Romans chapter 8 in the next age. Now, he's the expert. And of all of his writings, he, he wrote 14 epistles. Of all of those, there's one chapter that stands out that tells you, okay, you know how I, you know how I learned how to live Christ? Here it is. Here it is. That's Romans 8. Romans 8. You know, um, <clears throat> in the early 1980s, I'm going to mention another ministry book now. In the early 1980s, Brother Lee gave a training. It's in a book entitled Perfecting Training. And a great portion of that book, and that, the focus of the Perfecting Training in a sentence, is to learn not to live yourself, but to live Christ. That was the focus. And he spent chapter after chapter after chapter on Romans 8. I remember that training so well. Um, So I recommend that to you for your further pursuit. Now let's read Roman numeral 3 together. The body... couple matters. Number one, the body of Christ is the issue of the experience of Christ. That's how you and I are going to enter into the reality of the body of Christ. It's going to be by experiencing Christ. It's not going to happen by our endeavoring to keep all the principles. It's going to happen by our enjoyment and experience of Christ. We mentioned yesterday the body of Christ, which is the fullness of the one 
who fills all in all, comes out of our enjoyment of the unsearchable riches of Christ. So where, how will the body of Christ be a reality on this earth? Something we can all do by our experiencing of Christ and our enjoyment of Christ. I hope this encourages you. You know, in the Bible and in the ministry, the vision is really, really high. And the body of Christ is the high peak of the vision. So sometimes when we approach it, it scares us and we say, that's so high, it'll never happen. Well, let me tell you some good news. The vision is really high, but the experience is very simple. Very simple. I use the example of human life. Michael could tell you how complex human life is, how, how complex the human body is. I don't know anything about that. But I know how to experience the human life quite well. You're supposed to eat. You're supposed to drink. You're supposed to sleep. You're supposed to exercise. Everybody can do it. Every human being on the whole planet can live the human life without much knowledge at all about biology. Isn't that right? It's the same way with the spiritual life. The things that we need to do in order to enter into this vision are things every single one of us can do. Do you believe that? And we state it generally at first, the general thing we all must do, experience Christ. We can all do that. We'll we'll develop that, but that's, that's the thing. Now, the expert on experiencing Christ gave us his secret in Romans chapter 8. And in his presentation there, there is an amazing discovery. I mean amazing. Who was it that? Uh, uh, oh, uh, who was it that that first talked about the law of gravity? Isaac Newton, Sir Isaac Newton. You know, Sir Isaac Newton is exalted among men because he discovered a law that you know he deserves credit. He discovered a law that had been there forever. And nobody knew it. And he discovered that. Let me tell you, the Apostle Paul, he discovered a law that had always been there, but not one other person ever saw it. Amazing. Give that man the Nobel Prize. He discovered Listen to what he discovered. Of course, in Romans 7, he discovered some laws. Not so, all so good. He discovered the law of sin and death. But in Romans 8, he discovered the law 
of the spirit of life. And that is the secret. That's the secret. And what is the law? You can, if you like, you can shorten it a little. It's the law of life. The reason Paul says the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, is that eventually this law, you know what it is? It's the spirit in our spirit. That's the law. And it's a law of life. Okay, when we talk about a law of life, forget about gravity. We have something more organic. When, when we, where I live, I live in Seattle, Washington. Not much grows there. It's far north, very cold. But one thing grows really, really well there, apples. Apples. And when you plant an apple seed, within the seed is the life essence of an apple. That's what it is. So you don't need to be concerned what will come out of that seed. And, you know, there isn't anything else that's shaped quite like an apple, is there? It's a unique shape. And you don't need to worry about it. Plant the seed water it, let it grow, and you know what's going to come out? Apples. And every one of them is going to be shaped in that very peculiar shape of an apple. That's the law of the apple seed. The life essence of the apple is in that seed. What else is it going to produce? Nothing. It will never produce anything except apples. We got essence of God himself into our spirit as a seed when the divine spirit came into us. And you know what's going to come out of it? God. God's going to come out of it. Many sons, now let's go to the end of Romans 8. Many sons conformed to the image of the firstborn son. That's what comes out of the law. So at the beginning of Romans 8, we have the law. At the end of Romans 8, we have the duplication of the God-man in many, 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 many others. And how did, they, how did that happen? The law did it. The law did it. The law produced those many you know what those many brothers are? That's a big crop of apples. A bunch of apples. Where'd those apples come from? The seed. And in the same way, those many brothers of Christ come out of the operation of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Okay, A says, Romans 8 uses this term, the law of the spirit of life, to describe something. It uses this term, the law, to describe how the triune God, after having been processed and consummated to become the life-giving spirit, has been installed into our spirit as a law. And what is a law? Here's a very, very good definition. 
a spontaneous, automatic principle and power within us. This is one of the biggest discoveries, even recoveries in God's economy. Oh, wow. That's for sure. I'll tell you what I do with my outlines. See, that's a long paragraph, isn't it? But there's a key point in it. So next to point A, I wrote, the spirit with our spirit. That's a little summary. A little summary of point A. What's this law? It's the spirit in our spirit. Do you have the spirit in your spirit? Oh, then that means you have the law of the spirit of life. In you. And that law, it's only programmed to do one thing. To produce many sons of God conformed to the image of the firstborn son of God. Let me tell you some good news. You can't even stop it. It's going to happen. Even if you say, time out, Lord. I don't want to be conformed to the image of the firstborn son of God. He's going to say, too late. The law is already operating. So you can either, you can't really speed it up, but you can slow it down. Uh, If you don't cooperate at all, it's going to take a longer time. But if you cooperate, it'll take less time. But we might as well cooperate because it is absolutely going to happen. You can't even stop it from happening. It's like when you were born. Okay, as soon as you were born. Already, when I was born, I didn't look like I do today. In my office at home, I have a a picture of my father when he was a middle-aged man. He's wearing a... My father was also an accountant. He's wearing a suit, tie white shirt. If you saw that picture of my father, you would say, hey, that's a picture of Brother Mark. No, it's actually a picture of my dad. I didn't try to look like him. I didn't particularly want to look like him. (laughs) But it was in the DNA. It was in the genes. And as soon as that little baby was conceived by my mother, unfortunately, this is what came out. I mean, and and that was all, there was nothing I could do about it. There's nothing my parents could do about it. Well, let's apply this positively. As soon as the Spirit came into our spirit, it's done. That's the reason why. Let me tell you something else really interesting about Romans 8. This is one of the points I want to fellowship with the Apostle Paul when I meet him. When he gets to the end of chapter 8, and he talks about us being conformed, he says, you know, we all know this verse, that God causes all things to work together for good. Good 
he has a little different definition of that word than we do. He, he causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Then it says, those he predestinated, he also called. We've all experienced his calling, right? And it says, and those he called, these he justified. We've all experienced his justification. Then he says, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. I'd say, hey, Paul, you used the past tense on my glorification. And I don't think I've been glorified yet. So did Paul make a mistake? No, Paul's presenting God's view. Here's God's view. As soon as the divine life got into you, it's done. You're glorified. And the reason he can say that is, it's an absolute certainty that it will happen. This should encourage us. This should encourage us. This law, it, it never fails. See, this is the great thing about laws. And some laws are stronger than others. This law is the most powerful law in the universe. Sin and death as a law are pretty powerful. We struggle. In fact, we don't struggle. We are always defeated by sin and death when we attempt to overcome them in ourselves. But this law, it, it has never failed to overcome sin and death. You will not be the first failure because there's never going to be one. This is the strongest law in the universe. And it is in us. And it will triumph over sin and death. Oh, Paul, what a discovery. Okay, let's read B together under Roman numeral 3. another long paragraph, isn't it? What's the point of this? We need to exercise our spirit. This law has been installed into our spirit. Now we have a mingled spirit, and we should walk according to that mingled spirit. How should we do that? By praying, by contacting the Lord, by setting our mind on the spirit. Isn't that wonderful? And, I, and, and listen to Paul's utterance in, in Romans 8, 4, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. 
not by us, might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. It's a spontaneous result. See, this is our cooperation with the law of life. Our cooperation with the law of life, exercise your spirit. Can you do that? Of course you can. Pray. Can you do that? Of course you can. Set your mind on the spirit. We can all do this. We can, don't say you can't. Every one of us can do what Romans 8 talks about. The law does the rest. The law does the rest. Our, our job is a little bit of cooperation through the exercise of our spirit. Now, let's read the subpoints. To behave, act, move, and live in the mingled spirit, which is the law of the spirit of life mingled with our spirit, is to behave, act, move, and live where? How about that? When you live according to your mingled spirit, you're living in the reality of the body of Christ. They're not two things. They're not two things. They're one thing. That's why Paul in prison said, just pray for me that I'll live and magnify Christ. Because if I do that, I'm in the reality of the body of Christ. That, that, that's how it works. In other words, if you live Christ, you are in the body of Christ. But to make it a little more practical, if you walk according to your spirit, you are in the reality of the body of Christ. This should be a great encouragement to us. In our spirit, we have the presence of God, the speaking of God, meeting with God. You know what our spirit is? It's the real holy of holies. It's the place you go when you want to meet with God. Oh, do you like meeting with God? I really do. You know, as Michael shared morning by morning, I get to meet with God. I know exactly where to go. The blood is there to make a way for me. And I can meet with God in my spirit, the real holy of holies. What kind of people are we? Oh, and also the dispensing of God is there in our spirit. Through his operation as the law of the spirit of life, to impart himself into all our inward parts. So Romans 8, the first half of it, what it shows us is the triune God dispensing himself into the tripartite man as Zoe life. Let me say it again. The, the first section of Romans 8 shows us how the triune God imparts himself as the eternal Zoe life into all three parts of our tripartite being. So in verse 6 it says, when you set your mind on the Spirit, your mind is life. And that word life in Greek is Zoe, the divine, uncreated, eternal life. Your mind is Zoe. And then in uh, verse 10 It says, if Christ is in you, your spirit is life. 
That we, that we know, don't we? Every time we exercise our spirit, life is there. We still need a whole lot more life in our mind and in the other parts of our soul. But let me tell you, our spirit is life. And it's, it's full of life. And it's constantly life. So every time we go to our spirit, we get life. Okay, I better go on. Oh, and then in verse, what is it, 13? 11. In verse 11, the Spirit gives life to our mortal body. So you have the mind, the Spirit, and the mortal body all become life through the dispensing of life by the triune God who is life. And that dispensing makes us Christ and makes us his many brothers. That's Romans 8. It's wonderful. To walk according to the Spirit, here's, a, here's the practice. To walk according to the Spirit is to pray at every time in Spirit. And can you pray? Of course we can. We have a Spirit. The Spirit was designed by God and placed into man for this purpose. That's why animals don't pray, because they don't have a spirit. The part of man that causes him to pray is the spirit. God created this, this thing called the human spirit that he put into you. That spirit, its function is to pray. The problem with you and me is we, we haven't used it very much, so we don't know what the capacity of our spirit is for prayer. I, I use an example, Matthew chapter 26. The Lord took Peter, James, and John, who should have been his vital companions, but they were unvital companions. He took them with him, to the Garden of Gethsemane. And the first thing he told them, I believe this is verse 37, he said, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Watch with me. So in his greatest need, he pours out his need to the brothers, and he wants them to pray along with him. Then it says he went forward by himself. He fell down and prayed And after an hour, he came back and found the brothers asleep. He did this three times. Okay, before we get to the conclusion, let's think about this for a minute. Just the first time was an hour. He did that three times. Let's stay with an hour. He fully expected that Peter, James, and John would pray for one hour straight. Now, if he expected that, doesn't that mean that they could have done it? How often do you pray for an hour? The God-man Jesus, he spent all night praying once. Um, We have a commandment in the New Testament we're supposed to pray 
unceasingly. Would the Lord command us to do something that is impossible for us to do? So, you know, in Matthew 26, when the Lord came back to them and found them asleep the third time, remember what he said to them? The spirit is willing. It's the flesh that's weak. In other words, he was telling them, brothers, you know why you fell asleep? You didn't exercise your spirit. Your spirit could easily have prayed for one hour. But you didn't exercise your spirit, so you went to sleep. We're running out of time, but I, I want to give you a quick, a quick testimony on this point. I don't know if Michael, Michael, I don't know if you were there, if you remember this, but <clears throat> a few years ago, well, it's been quite a few years now. A number of years ago, <laughs> the co-workers in North America, we decided we were going to have three days of prayer. And um, I'm going to be honest here. Three days of prayer sounds like a lot, doesn't it? And we were going to all come together in California and pray for three days. So I flew down to California. I got there the first day. And to be honest, I'm exposing myself. I looked around the room. It wasn't that many brothers. There was about 30 brothers there. And I said, oh my goodness, I don't know if I can do this for three days. And we started praying. I I, want to tell you this. Those three days changed my life. I've never been the same after those three days. We started praying. We prayed for three hours straight. There was no fellowship. There was no talk about anything. Just prayer. And after three hours, one of the brothers said, okay, now let's all of us spend another hour to pray individually. I was like, what? (laughs) That's our break? And I mean, three hours is a lot of prayer already. It is, isn't it? I mean, how often do you pray for three hours straight? So I walked outside. I said, I would take a walk and pray. And I said, an hour? Another hour? And I started opening to the Lord, and the verse he gave me, Matthew 26. Were you not able to watch with me one hour? So I told the Lord, I said, Lord... Don't call me Mark anymore. Just just call me Peter James John. That's who I am. And I began to just open the Lord and pray. Next thing I knew, an hour had gone. Then we went back and prayed for three more hours. And we did this for three days in a row. And after that, I'm really not exaggerating. My life has not been the same after that. My personal prayer has not been the same after that. It's like, you know what? It's like I discovered. Here's what I discovered. I I discovered this subjectively. I discovered that the actual capacity of my spirit for prayer is unlimited. 
It's unlimited. And so is yours. Mine's no different than yours. The problem is we don't use it. The capacity is there. I, 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 I Try it. You know, it's sort of like, I'll use a physical example. When I was young, I ran a lot. I know, I don't look like it, but I did. <laughs> I ran a lot. And when I first started running, you know, you run a mile, and you go, oh, man, whew, I'm exhausted. But then you run a mile a few times, and you find out, hey, I can easily do more than a mile. And, you know, you got to work up to it. But eventually, you're running 10 miles. And it's very much that way with our spirit. You can't start out praying seven hours a day for three days straight. But whatever you do, push yourself a little bit. Push your spirit a little bit. It can, it can run a little farther. I guarantee you. I guarantee you it can. If it's not, if I come back next year, I'll... Um, I'll refund you the cost of this conference. (laughs) Listen, your spirit, it's much, much more powerful than you know. Especially in the matter of prayer. It's actually unlimited in the matter of prayer. Okay, we we need to go on. To, To walk according to the spirit is to pray at every time in spirit. Let's read A, B, C, and D, brothers on A. Our unceasing See, this is, a, this is a constant prayer that should just be in us. Lord, live through me. I want to live you. It's not complicated. Okay, sisters. all different kinds of sleep, physical, psychological, and spiritual sleep. Okay, brothers, see. We need to exercise our spirit to rise up over our body and our psychology, taking heed to the Lord's word, to watch and pray, praying at every time in spirit, and being watchful on the alert for the maintaining of our there's Matthew twenty six forty one, the verse I mentioned. Okay, D. We must build up the habit of living Christ for the reality of the body of Christ by building up the habit of prayer, the habit of reading and reading Christ unceasingly, So we're not talking about formal prayer. We're talking about a kind of breathing prayer. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. I, sometimes, I don't do it enough, but sometimes I surprise myself how many times in one day I say, Oh, Lord. Because I find myself just doing it almost constantly. That's praying. Amen. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. 
Sometimes it can't be audible, but that's prayer. That's prayer. And it says we build up this habit. I was telling Michael, I, 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 love, I love books. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a really boring person. I, I love books. I'm a bookworm. I have a big, big, big library of books, all spiritual books, uh, all spiritual books. And the other day, I, I went to buy a book, a spiritual book, a reference book. I was online, and I went through the whole thing, and I'm just about to put my finger on the little button that says purchase, but I said, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. And the Lord touched me. You don't need that book. You don't need that book. I said, yeah, but I want it. He said, but you don't need it. Use that money for something else. I said, amen, Lord. Amen. It's, it, see, the application, the experience, it's that simple. It's that simple. It means all of us can live Christ for the reality of the body of Christ. Okay, number four, we can live Christ for the reality of the body of Christ according to the law of the Spirit of life by being filled with the Spirit and by letting Christ's Word dwell in us richly. We can do that. The first thing is pray. The second thing is be filled with the Spirit and let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. You know, Christ making his home in our heart and the word dwelling in us richly, they're the same thing. He is the word. Those aren't two things. His indwelling is the word of God's indwelling within us through our letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Number five, let's read it together. Learn to pray this way. Lord, today, I am an empty vessel and I'm an open vessel. Put anything you want into me today. I'm an open vessel. I'm open to anything you want. Now listen to this statement. Paul's 14 epistles may be summarized by two words. Okay, let's summarize all 14 epistles of Paul in two words. Can you believe that? I could have never written this sentence. I'm pondering it. I'm musing on it. I'm trying to get, get it. I, I, I haven't totally got it yet, but I, but I do know this. For our experience of Christ, exercise to be an open vessel. And it, it makes a big, big difference. Okay, the last point is the one that uh, Michael mentioned with the virgins. We need to love the Lord. Amen. Amen. See, these are things we can do. We can pray. Because we have a spirit. Amen. We can Take in the Word. We can walk according to our spirit. And we can 
love the Lord because we do love him. And when we love him to the uttermost, we keep ourselves entirely, thoroughly, and absolutely open to him, allowing him to be everything to us and do everything in us, through us, and for us, for the sake of his body. Amen. Amen. Okay, brothers read point C, sisters read point D. Good. Sisters. So in these two points, pay attention to the word spontaneously. This is what the law works out spontaneously. The first thing it does, it causes you and I to live God and become God. The second thing is, causes us to live in the reality of the body of Christ and function in our measure in the body of Christ. It's wonderful. Wonderful that we have this law within us. Okay, I'll stop here. The brothers can instruct us.